Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services or connect with us on Facebook. Thanks for joining us online as, as well. If you're, if you're joining us, I uh, hope you'll follow along on the Version Bible app either here or at home. But uh, John chapter 13 is where we're, we're looking. We're in a series on relationships. And this is the emphasis, what we've been emphasizing during this series is that uh, the reality of who we are is revealed by how we do relationships. How you do relationships reveals who you really are. And uh, our relationships are so crucial and, and uh, important and uh, I believe even more important in these days and time that we're in, I want to look at uh, Jesus in his level and his depth of love that he had. Listen to what it says in John chapter 13. It says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was Time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God, and he would return to God. I want to focus on that second part of verse 1. Jesus had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the end. God, I pray that you would help us to have this level, this this. This love in us, God, that would love to the end, the love of Christ would be in us, that we would receive it and that we would reveal it to our world. We ask God for your blessing on this time, this word. We give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thanks again for being a part of worship with us today and um, uh, just been a uh, kind of a fun yet interesting and real time as we've been looking over relationships. Wednesday night we kicked off a series on uh, a marriage series called More Than Words and we'll continue that this Wednesday. And uh, have you ever noticed that when you deal with relationships, it gets real? When we start dealing with how we, how we interact, how we work together, how we respond and, and uh, I hope today that uh, uh, we can just make a commitment to love like Jesus on this earth. I don't know who you're sitting beside today right now, but find the person, you're, the, the favorite person that you're sitting with right now and just tell them this. You are my, and you fill in the blank. Just tell them that right now. You are my. I don't know who you're sitting with this morning. If you're sitting with your, your, your family member, your, your best friend, you're sitting with the love of your life, you're sitting with just somebody you just met. Uh, I don't know who that person is to you in this moment. I think some of the tension was when I said the favorite person that you're sitting with. Uh, some of you, I just got you in trouble. No, that was your fault. You, you picked the wrong favorite person. Uh, uh, there is this moment of recognizing the relationship that we're in, but my prayer is this, that whatever you are, the relationship that we're in, the significance that we have, that whatever you are, if we do relationships God's way, we ought to love each other to the end. If we do it God's way, we will love each other to the end. This morning, whoever that is, you are my fill in the blank, that person. My prayer is today that we can say you will be that to the end. 
You'll be that in my life to the end. That's a title I want to share from this morning is just this, this desire that we would love to the end, even as Jesus has given us this picture, a model of his ability and his desire, not just desire, but his accomplishment to love to the end. Whoever you are to the person that you're sitting beside, you will only remain that person as long as you can relate to them or until the love runs out for them. As long as you can relate to them or until the love runs out, you can only run or only be in relationship with that person or have a level of relationship to the end if you only run to where you can relate to each other or until the love runs out. But I pray to God that we would never allow our love to come to an end. One thing that I think a godly person should never say, I don't love you anymore. How many know that if we're in Christ, love remains in all things? And we know that the love of Christ is in us, and we we will love one another as long as we can relate to them or our commitment to love them to the end, that our love never running out. Relating to someone simply means this, to feel a connection to them. When you relate to someone, you feel a connection, that you're connected, whether it be around whatever you relate to, whatever your interests, whatever your common interests are, you relate to someone, and in that connection, it makes you feel a special connection, a special place, that there is a significance because of the connection that you have. But how many have found out that not every relationship carries the same level of connection all the way through? There's some people in my life who I was connected with at a stage in life, and I'm not connected to them the same way today. I had friends in high school, and uh, I would call them friends. I had friends in youth group, and now that has been almost 30 years ago. And how many know my connection with them is not the same today as it was 30 years ago? That the way that I relate to certain individuals, there's been stages and seasons of relationships that we realize that some relationships are only meant for a season. Some relationships are only stages in life, and, and there's certain people that, that I still have a good friend, and, and we connect, but we used to connect so much, and the way we connected so much is because our kids were the same age, and we would get together with their family, the kids would play together, we would hang out. Guess what happened? Our kids grew up, they got into things, and they got into different things, and how many realized that stage was no longer the same connection? But he's still my friend, but I don't know him like I used to know him, but he's still my friend, not because I don't like him anymore, or I've disregard him or I've just gotten rid of him, but because we ran a course that came to a place that it's not the same. Now, there's some relationships without a doubt you're meant to run with the entire way through. Obviously, in marriage and in connections that we have, there's some friends that are in our lives and people that God brings along. Maybe they've been young friends when you were young, and they remain friends. There, there are those that we continue in relationship. So I want you to hear today, not all relationships are the same. I can't love everybody the same way. I might have a couple hundred people on my Facebook, but that doesn't mean I'm friends with all of them. I mean, there are people on there, let's be honest, I had someone say to me one time, said, hey, uh, Pastor, I noticed you're friends with this mutual person. What can you tell me about them? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. I only know this person through that person and this connection. I don't know them. Here's the point. Jesus had a relationship. He loved the entire world. How many know that Jesus so loved the world that whoever believes in him would be saved? But in the process of loving the world, there were 500 who followed him on the day of his ascension and then 120 who received the baptism on the day of Pentecost. But there were only 12 who walked with him tightly and were with him. And then we know three, Peter, James, and John, seemed to always be in an inner circle. And even from there, John seemed to have a significance because when Jesus died on the cross and he was looking after his mother, he said to John, take care of the greatest relationship I have on the earth. 
that Jesus even had different levels of relationship with people along the way, that there was the process. You're not going to love everybody to the same level, but we ought to love everybody to the same degree, that there ought to be this love that we have in relationships, that there is this season that whatever we go through, that our relationship should always be in good condition. I want to ask you today, are your relationships, are our relationships in good condition? We don't need a connection to be in good condition. I realize the connection is, is always in point or in place of how we, we have relationship, a stage, a season in life. The connection is based on my perspective, but condition is based on my commitment. That I have a connection with you, and sometimes when you don't feel like you're connected, and, and I know that sometimes in life, and I would guard you. I would, I would encourage you to guard your heart, that in our heart, whenever we feel like we're no longer connected to someone, and we don't feel as we were connected as we once were, we start telling ourselves the reason why we're not connected. And then we begin to make ourselves feel more disconnected, like we don't belong, and all because a relationship hit a season, and just because there's stages in life doesn't mean that the relationship has turned against us. It just means the relationship is reaching a new place in life. Relationships graduate and move to new places, that there's seasons that they come to, and in every transition, may we have good relationships, and may our relationships be in a good condition that it would be in a good condition and, and not connected, that when we're not connected, it doesn't mean that we're not having a love for someone, but when we're in a good condition, it means that our commitment is no matter where we are, I'm going to leave this relationship in a good place and in a healthy condition that I'm going to allow it to be something that is a connection beyond just uh, or my commitment beyond just as long as I feel connected, as long as the relationship feels good. How many know it's always a dangerous thing to judge a relationship by how it feels? Because if your relationships are only good by how you feel, that's your perspective. By how they make you feel. Not only is it your perspective, it's self-serving. Because when we love people to the end, we don't love them for what we get from them. We love them for who they are. And How many know learning in life is how to love people not for what we get from them, not for how they make us feel, but because of who they are, created in the image and the likeness of God, to love people with the love of God, that we would love not for what we can get, but that we would love for who they are, that our relationships would be in good condition. Here's in used car terms. Good condition means this, that the vehicle is free from major defects. How many believe that when we do it God's way, he knows how to heal major defects and how to bring things in proper way. It, it, it is free of major defects. The vehicle has a clean title history. The paint and the body and the interior have only minor blemishes, and there are no mechanical problems. The condition is good. Notice, though, the only way the condition can be good as opposed to poor or fair, obviously excellent, don't even think so. I don't think anybody in the room is in an excellent condition. There's always room for growth. There's always room for improvement. But in a good condition, the only reason the condition can be good is because the condition is affected by how well it has been maintained and the attention that's been given to the vehicle. You understand that. It's in good condition because you, you give it good attention. It's, it's maintained well. Realize this, that relationships are the vehicle through which God brings hope and healing into our world. Relationships are by God's design. 
relationships are the most important thing that we have, and it is the vehicle through which we receive and share and reveal the love of Jesus Christ. It was relationship that, that was had with Mary with her son who introduced him to the world as she was the, the, the one that God used, and in relationship, she introduced Jesus, and Jesus in relationship brought those into, into a place of salvation, and how does that get passed down? Because of relationship. I'm here today because in 1938, my great, great aunt had a relationship or came in contact with a church that, that was planted in her backyard. And from there, my great, great aunt influenced my great, great grandmother, who my great, great grandmother influenced my grandmother and my grandmother influenced my parents and my parents influenced me. I'm only here today because of relationship. I'm only where I am today because of the relationship that I'm in. Some of us used to be in other churches. I'll ask people at times, so, so your church background. Well, I'm Catholic, and the reason they're Catholic is because their grandma was Catholic, their great-great-grandma was Catholic, and relationship brings them, that our church relationships are all connected. Why are you where you are? Because of who you're connected to. It's all about relationships, and so relationships are so important. If relationships are the vehicles through which God allows us to reveal him to the world, how many know that our relationships, our vehicles, ought to be in good condition? That they ought to be in good condition. So how do you have a vehicle in good condition? You give it maintenance, and you give it attention, and you take care of it. You give it checkups. You put it in places of working on it. You do things to take care of the relationship. If you're here today, and you think relationships should just naturally happen, if you think they should just automatically appear, that they just happen out of nowhere, I would encourage you, the next time you lose your tooth, put it under the pillow and tithe on whatever comes in. If you really believe that it just naturally happens. I've heard people say sometimes relationships shouldn't take work. <laughs> That's not called a relationship. If you want a relationship that doesn't take work, that's not called a relationship. That's called a servant to a master. That's the only relationship that doesn't take work. The only relationship doesn't, that doesn't take work is the master who gives words and meaning and gives direction to the servants. And as long as the servants do what the master say, the master doesn't have any work. Guess who has the work? All the servants. And what is the work they have? To please the master. Aren't you thankful that Jesus said he didn't just call us servants, he called us friends. That he brought us in to his kingdom. Why? Because he worked at loving us. You know how much he worked? He gave his life. To his very life for the purpose of having relationship with you and I. Relationships take work. And this maintenance, being in good condition, asking the question, what is the condition of your relationship, no matter what stage they're in? There are people in my life who are no longer in my life, but I can honestly say I bless them that I have not left them at a place that I've torn down or I've beaten up, that we have healthy and good relationships, that we have good condition. Yes, some people are only going to run a short while with us. We're not going to be in, in seasons with everybody all the time, but there has to be a good relationship and in good condition. The depth of your relationship is affected by the depth of your love for a person. How deep is your love? How deep is the love that we have for the people in our lives? Yes, I don't love you the way I love my wife. I don't love you the way I love my children. I don't love you all the same. And somebody's like, well, that's not nice. That's called reality. I can't give you all the attention. I can give attention to a few. And the priority of who needs to have my attention, 
I'll give you my love, but I can't give you my love to the point that I give my life or my wife and my children my leftovers. I can't give you what you need and ignore what those around me need that we become realizing that that relationships are valuable. I've got love for you. There's a depth and a love for you. I'm gonna love you to the end. That's my commitment, that I wanna love those in my life to the end. How deep is our love? My grandmother, and I saw this phrase pop up a little while ago, and it just, it reminds me of my grandmother, probably reminds me, reminds you of some of your grandparents, and that is when we would leave grandma's house, she would put me on her knee, and she would bounce me, and she would sing, I love you, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck, and then she'd take her hand and tickle me under the chin, and, uh, and I would, I had no idea what a bushel and a peck meant, <laughs> but I just knew my grandma loved me. To this day, I had no idea until I looked it up. My grandma loved me equal to 10 gallons of dry goods. That's what that was. (laughs) I'm not sure if I should be happy with that or not, but she loved me a bushel and a peck. It was this measurement that more than I, I don't know, but 10 gallons of dry goods is more than I can carry. Grandma was saying to me, I love you more than you ever contain. I love you more than you can carry. I love you more. I love you to where it'll go further and further and further. I love you. Jesus said this, this word, or it says of Jesus, that his love for his disciples, he loved his disciples during his ministry on earth. And now he loved them to the very end. John uses this word to emphasize the intensity of Jesus' love. It's a repetition. He's saying he loved them while he was on earth, and he loved them even to the very end. To the end means to the fullest extent. He didn't just love them during his ministry on earth as long as he felt connected, as long as everything was going in a good kumbaya, this is good, this is great. But he loved them to the very end, not just to the moment of everything going well, but he loved them to the end. It speaks of a repetition. He says, I love them while they're on earth, and I even love them to the end. And the repetition gives the picture or it speaks of intensity to express intensity by repetition how many know that something that is intense or something that is real is done over and over again if you only do something occasionally that speaks of your intention but what you do repeatedly speaks of your reality I don't wait until Valentine's Day to send my wife a note if somebody on the calendar needs to prompt me of when to express my love to my wife God help your marriage Something like that guy just got way too real and uh, just called somebody out. Don't judge anybody when you get home and keep love and grace. But here's the, here's the truth of the matter is I don't love you because I'm prompted by things around me. I want to love you because it's who I am on the inside of me. I do what I do out of repetition because what you do out of re- repetition is who you really are. What you repeatedly do, who you are in that repetition, it expresses the intensity. Jesus loved them even to the end. He loved them to the end. It's like saying, I love you to the moon and back. I love you to infinity and beyond. I love you a bushel and a peck. I love you in a measure that's far greater. You'll never comprehend my love. You can't even even size my love up. The love that I have for you is more than you can ever comprehend and know where does that love come from Ephesians chapter 3 even says this describing the love of God it says this and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should notice this as all God's people should if you are a follower of God if a follower of Jesus Christ you need to make it your pursuit to know the love of God I can I can introduce you to the love of God but I can't make you know the love of God 
If you lean on me to make you know the love of God, you're going to fall out. You're going to miss it because at some point I'm going to lose connection with you because somewhere along the way I'm not going to be everything you need. Somewhere along the way I'm going to let you down. I ought to introduce you to the love of God, but I can't make you receive the love of God. You must pursue. It should be this this desire that we should have the power to understand, as all God's people should, understand what? How wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. Notice that it's beyond containing. It's immeasurable that you can't understand it all. He even says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. I love this, Paul. Paul says, you ought to understand, but you'll never get it. You ought to make sense of this, but you never will. You ought to fully know. Here's what he's saying. You will never reach the end of God's love for you. You will never reach the end of his love, his desire, his compassion, his love that he has for us. This is the type of love that changes hearts. How many know that when you come in contact with the love of God and the heart of God, it changes your heart for people? When you know the love that God has for you, it changes the way that we love people. I've said this before. I had to make a switch in my marriage that I had to switch from loving my wife and learning how to love God's daughter first because my wife is possessive, but God's daughter is stewardship. I'm honoring what belongs to God. I'm not loving for my own and what is mine. This is unto God. Yes, it is. She's my wife. Yes, these are my children. This is my family. But it's stewardship of what God gives us. And when we know and receive the heart of God, we ought to love with the heart of God because your relationships reveal who you really are. If you want to know who you really are, don't look at how good you are with your girlfriends or your guy friends. Look at how good you are with your spouse. Look at how good you are in the closest relationships in those areas. That reveals and identifies who we really are. That our relationships should be affected. The depth of relationships are affected by the depth of love. My prayer today is whoever you're sitting beside today, it might be a friend, it might be for a season. You might have paths that you cross today and they'll separate at some point. But even if they separate, may you love to the very end, not because of the connection and the way you're related and how you can relate to one another, but because the love of Christ allows us to transition in good condition. That when we move on, remind you again, that doesn't mean every relationship. There are certain relationships, they're meant forever. If you stood at an altar and you said, till death do we part, that's kind of forever. And there are those relationships of commitment. Now, the grace of God, he works in all of those things. That's who he is. I want to share this, not with permission to say, well, every relationship's just disposable, and every one of them comes to their end. And just No, it's stages in life that as we have relationships, may they always be in good order. Jesus loved them to the end. I believe because there are three, understands, three things that I believe he understood, these objectives and things that he had. And I want to just share this with you quickly this morning. Here's number one. Jesus realized that passion pursues people. If you have a passion for the things of God, you will pursue people. Whatever you have passion for, you'll pursue that very thing. But a passion for the things of God, a passion with the heart of God, will cause us to pursue people. The passion that Jesus had was all about people. And the text that we read said this, that Jesus loved his disciples. Notice that. It's, it is possessive in that tense. They were his disciples. I love what many translations say. He loved his own. How many know that when they're your own, you, you have kids, and we said this last week, if it's yours, 
those of you that have siblings, and uh, if, if somebody picks on your brother when you're in high school and somebody picks on your, on your sibling, how many know that's a no-no? You're not allowed. But you have all free reign. You can pick on them all you want. <laughs> Somehow there's that permission. There's a possessiveness that, is, that Jesus is saying here, they're my own, and I love them because they're mine. He's connected at a deeper level, and he has a connection with them that is a commitment. He has a commitment with them. He calls them his own. Realize this, that even though he says he loved them, he loved his disciples, and he loved them to the very end, even though one of them would betray him, one would soon deny him, and all of them would desert him. In the midst of all this, he loved him as his own, and his love for them was pursuing that his passion for them was not connected to their performance, not connected to what they would or would not do. He kept loving them. Even when they deserted him, he loved them. Even when they rejected him, he loved them. Even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. His love that is immeasurable. Why? Because his love is all about people. His love and his desire caused him to go to a deeper level. Going to a deeper level that even in transition, if you are my friend, if you are my friend, what will it take for me to no longer call you my friend? My hope is that whatever we go to, even if we come to places that we veer and we keep following Jesus, but we go on different paths, there ought to be this in us, that you will forever remain the very thing that you are to me in my relationship with you. That there is this, this, even though we separate, we go in different ways, it's one of these things of, of allowing deepening relationship. I might not be in the same deepening relationship with you for some relatable reasons. There are some people that I, that I ran with that early on in ministry, and I don't run with them anymore. Why? Because we're no longer youth pastors and we're no longer in the same situations we were in in life. But guess what? They're still my brother. It's still my sister. I still honor and bless them. And there have even been people I've disagreed with in life. Go figure. There have been people who have disagreed with me. Guess what that's called? Life. Why is it, though, that we're somehow convinced that if we quit being partners, we now have to become enemies? Who said that? (laughs) Who creates this moment that we just become in an area of, of having to attack? And let me just say, politics in America is revealing the ugliness of our society. We have lost this decency that we don't even have platforms. We don't even have rightful things to say. The only thing we try to do is whatever we can to tear down the other person. And the only way we can relate or the only way we we have that relationship, and you know what's interesting, are the people who are tearing each other down were decades ago some of the best friends that hung out. You don't know that. See, we don't know that because we're polarized by media that we're supposed to hate each other. We're supposed to hate those on this side and they can't get along with that. We're, we are conditioned by our culture that we can't hang out with people like that. We can't spend time with people like We can't relate to people like that. We are taught 
by the media. And here's what's so interesting. Do you know the same people who get on whatever station and argue about what they're arguing about, soon when they're done arguing on the air, they go out and have, they di- they have dinner together? Do you know why? Because their job is to convince you that everything is, is horrible and we hate each other and you've got to stay in tune, you've got to watch, and you don't get to see what they're doing just to rile up the, the defenses, just to work things up, just to control things that are happening. And we allow that to set inside of us. So guess what we do? We allow the same hate to get inside of us. We allow the same criticism. You know, people in your neighborhood started putting up political signs. Oh, I never thought they would. I never expected them to be for that. It becomes so divisive. It becomes an immediate separation. And, and this, this idea that we, we, if we no longer run on the same path, we can't work things out or we can't reason together. That's the world's way of doing relationships. We need to do relationships God's way. That there has to be a different way and a different approach that unfortunately relationships for us become too disposable. It becomes easily passed off. It becomes easily transitioned and changed. And, and any young people in the room, man, I'm not against dating, but quit lining up people one after the other and going from one to the next to the next to the next. Can I tell you why? Because all you're learning in that moment is to condition yourself to be what everybody else says you ought to be, and you don't even know who you really are and who you're supposed to be and what your life is meant to be, and you get good at dumping one just to pick up another. It doesn't help you too well when you just get good at disposing of one and moving on to another, that this becomes the culture and the way in which we exist, and it becomes a hindrance in being able to develop deepening relationships. Jesus recognized this as well, that not only was his passion about people, but His purpose pursued priority. Jesus made it obvious as to what the priority was for him. His purpose was revealed in John 17 when he said, and he prayed this, Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Notice what he said. Father, I want these who you've given to me to be where I am. What was his pursuit? And the whole purpose of his life was this pursuit to be with you and I, for you and I to be with him, that we being with him was his priority. It was the priority for what he did. Have you made people knowing Jesus the number one priority of your relationships? Is people knowing Jesus the number one priority of our relationships? It's the priority that when we make that the priority, our relationships will change the purpose or the purpose of our relationships will take shape and be changed. When we love people and we we pursue or the priority of our relationships, the priority of my marriage is to help my wife discover who she really is in Christ. So you know what that means for me? My job is to build her up and not tear her down. But if I'm not careful, I can easily just get into the routine and the way of not saying what needs to be said and not speaking and communicating what needs to be communicated because let's be real, because when you get formal and you get in relationship, it's easy to tell people what you don't like and what frustrates you and what bothers you. And if you're good at making all the negative comments and you don't know how to say what I love, what I like, and how great, how many know that's nagging and that's wearing and that takes a strain and that becomes a problem. And so I want to say to us that we need to be people that know how to build up because it doesn't happen just naturally. We gotta be intentional. Guard your words. 
be careful of, of, of how it is that we're speaking. The priority of, my, of, of being a father with my, over my children is to raise them up to know Jesus Christ, to honor him and to walk with him. Will they make mistakes? Yes. Will I love them? Yes. Will it always go perfect? No. But to pursue and to re- be a reflection and to point them to Jesus Christ. My, my goal with my children is not to be their best friend and for them to love me like a best friend. I want them to love me. But I want them to love me and honor me as a man of God who they can trust, who can speak into their life, not just be somebody who hangs out and just does everything, but who they can know will shoot truth whenever truth needs to be said, will speak life and not tear down, but love and pursue to do things in God's way. And I, I, I know that we've come to a culture where it's like, well, that's a level of Christianity. We've got to tear down the levels. There, is, there are no levels of Christianity. You either are or you're not. You're either pursuing Jesus or you're not pursuing Jesus. We're either going after him with everything that we have or we're not going after him at all. And relationships in that purpose become so crucial in this moment that we make the priority. What is the priority of relationship that Jesus would be known, that people would know Jesus. It's interesting to me in this scripture that we read, John chapter 13, that the whole text starts out with before the Passover. All the other gospels identify the Passover, that Jesus broke bread. But notice John doesn't even say anything about the communion or about the the last supper. John says before Passover, they're about to eat, but John never talks about the sacred meal. It's interesting to me because I think John is pointing out and saying the meal is significant. Eating at the Lord's table is significant. That's honorable. That's responsible. That's, that's significant and it's good. But what you do before and what you do after is a lot more important. The priority is not that you've eaten at the table, but the priority is that you've eaten with a good heart in a right way and honorable unto God. Your heart matters more than anything. And I think John is saying, you got to eat the, eat the Lord's table. Yes, do this in remembrance of me, but don't do it in remembrance of me and forget to wash your, your brother's feet, to look after one another, and to love with the right heart. If you don't have the right heart, you just do a ritual, and we have enough rituals. We need real. We've got enough rituals. we got enough knowing how to eat at the Lord's table, do the Lord's stuff, and go through the motions. But oh, that we would have the realness of walking in honesty and humbleness and holiness unto God. That we would not prioritize the things that God didn't prioritize. Is communion not important? Absolutely, communion is important. But the Bible made it clear that if we don't take communion with the right heart, we eat and drink condemnation. The heart matters more. Why? What is he saying? Yes, show up at the Lord's table, but you better know how to wash each other's feet and you better know how to treat each other and how to love each other to the end. Because if you don't know how to love each other to the end, you've gone through the ritual, but you've not been real. We've not allowed the, the realness in the heart of God. And I, I, is it okay for me to say that my prayer at Faith Assembly is that we're a church that has real relationships? That we have not just rituals, not just going through the motions, but we have real relationships in our homes, in our marriages, in our, in our relationships with community and people that we're building with, that we would allow there to be a reality. Be careful that if we don't become real, if we don't make Jesus the priority, If we don't make Jesus the prioritized guest at the table, there's someone else who will work to get the attention. Verse 2 that we read, it was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Notice at the table, Jesus is at the table, but there was one who did not make Jesus the priority. And that very one, Satan prompted to betray 
How in the world did that happen? Jesus knew it was going to happen. And here's how it happened and why Judas was the prime candidate. Because Judas was one of the critical ones that learned how to criticize. Instead of making Jesus the priority, he said things like, can't believe they spend the money on that. Can't believe Jesus would let that woman do that. Can't believe Judas developed a critical spirit. And how many know a critical spirit justifies your actions? And when you justify your actions, you now start down a path that you feel like you're doing the right thing. Well, I'm just protecting. I'm just doing, I'm just looking out for. I'm just, no. You're taking Jesus out of priority and putting something else in its place. You're not prioritizing Jesus, that relationship with him becoming the most significant, that we would allow the, the, the purpose and the pursuit of the purpose that we have, of course, to make Jesus the priority, the priority in your relationships. Here's the last thing. Worship team's coming. They're going to help us close. Here's the last thing. The process, Jesus understood that process pursues promise. I love the promise. Here's the promise, that God will work all things together for good to those who love him. The promise is that he'll be with me to the end of the age. There's a promise. But notice this. Jesus knew what time it was in his life. He knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He knew that it was time for him to go back to his father. And him returning to the father was part of the promise that was made for us. Because notice or remember that when Jesus ascended, that's when the Holy Spirit would come. That when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit would come and the Holy Spirit would dwell with us. So the promise was this for Jesus to return to heaven. But how many know that there was also a process to get to that promise? The promise was that Jesus would rise from the dead, that he would give us salvation, he would return to heaven, he would give us the Holy Spirit. But guess what he had to go through to get there? Betrayal, denial, and desertion. That the process sometimes is the very thing that God is using to perfect his work in your life. And if we, when the process gets tough, when we just tear away and abandon, we might be missing what God is trying to produce in us to help us grow and to become more like him. It's in the tension. I wish I could say, that my marriage for 23 years has never had tension. If you think Jody and I sit on clouds, the only thing would be Charmin and White Cloud. That's as close as it gets. <laughs> Our relationship has grown because of tension, because of working through, because of Strengthening. Guess what? My relationship has grown with some other brothers and sisters in this church because we sat down and respectfully had conversations about differences and how we saw things and what we could do and asking God to give us wisdom and asking God to give, give direction. That's called life. That's called the, the, the way of, of walking through the things that we have the process, that there's tension, and sometimes the tension is the very thing that God is wanting to deal with so that we can accomplish what it is that he's doing. Don't stop. Don't stop loving. Let me say, there are, there are boundaries that need to be put up. 
When I say don't stop loving, that doesn't mean that's an excuse for people to walk all over us. When I say don't stop loving, put up the boundaries. Put up the things in place. But keep loving so that when they're ready for reconciliation and when they're ready to come back, that there becomes this love that remains to the end. How do I love to the end? The way that I love to the end is that I don't tear you down even if we quit seeing eye to eye. I don't just turn my back on you because you offended me, you insulted me, you did whatever you did to me. No, I have to put my hurt in the right place, trust God. And if I've hurt you, you've got to put that hurt in the right place and trust God. Turn it over to God and allow healing to take place and to do relationships God's way. Jesus said, it said of Jesus in verse 3 that Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. Notice that. He knew that he came from God and he would return to God. That's significant. And it's significant because he knew that if God had this promise in place, whatever the process is, he could trust God for the end result. How do you love people who have differences? The way you love people who have differences is you love them and you trust God with the difference. You trust God with the difference. And if I trust God with the difference, here's what I know. I know my love comes from God. I know God loves me and I know I'm going to be with God. And if I know the bookend, how many know that I I, I gotta be able to trust God in the in-between? The difference is right there in the in-between. The difference is this. I know that in this equation, God is for me. I know in this equation, God has prepared a home for me. I know in this equation that he'll work all things together. And the difference is right here in the middle. So how do I love people in the difference? I trust the difference to God. I trust it to God. I have to trust you to God. There have been people in my life that I've loved and I'm not in relationship with them anymore. And I have sent them as much as I can to say, hey, I love you. I trust God. I'm turning this over to God, not in those words, but I'm saying, hey, the door is open. You know why? Because I want it to be in a good condition. But if my condition, and by the way, there's certain times that we can have this attitude of, well, I'm just going to show them who's boss and let them know how it is and tell them how it is. Even if that's having to be done, you do it in the love of Christ. Because we tear down relationships so easily. And we do it in the church. But God help us to do relationships your way. That we would trust God with the difference. Hey, love? How do you love people who are different than you? Let's, you realize this is an ugly election. We will speak on issues in this church. Politics will never have the pulpit here. Jesus is the priority. And I don't know which way the election's gonna go. Do I have a do I have a, an opinion or do I have a want? Sure. But you know what I have greater than that? A trust in the one that I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. And I trust the difference to him. I trust, I trust him. 
Might, might it get bumpy? Yep. Can it get difficult? Count on it. There's going to be some hardship along the way. You better believe it. So how do you get through? You know that you came from him and you're going back to be with him. And you can trust him in the process. So would you stand with me? And today, trust God in whatever you're walking through. The difference. If you've got differences with someone around you, trust it to God. Leave it in good condition. I'm going to say this today. If you left another church to come here, we're glad you're here. That's totally fine. But I hope you left that church in a good condition. Because if you didn't leave that church in a good condition, guess what you're taking with you? If you didn't leave that relationship in a good condition, guess what you're taking with you? If you don't put those things in place, how did we get to such dysfunction in our culture and in the politics? Over generations, it just rose to the surface. This ugly political environment just reveals what's been in the heart of us for a while. This is, all this is is a reality and revelation of who we are as a nation. Can I say to us, may the church be different. May the church be different in how we do relationships. Yes, we may part. Yes, there might be differences, but we will bless the Lord and bless one another in the process. So let's trust our relationships with God. Come on, just sing this chorus, Christ alone. Just before Pastor Tim comes and closes us out today, just sing this one time through and just trust these over to God today, your relationships. Trust Him with the differences.